in the home stretch. Finally, we have arrived to Revelation 21. The book of Revelation is filled with, as you know, so much of what God has destined for the end of days. And much of it is a judgment that God pours out upon the earth. But we're through most of those chapters, in fact, all of them. And now what we see here in chapters 21 and 22 are really uh, the wrapping up of time. God has poured out his judgment. It's come, we've even come through the thousand-year millennial kingdom where Christ rules upon the earth. And at the end of that time, there will be what we call the eternal state, that when, when God ushers in a new heaven and a new earth and we go on into eternity. And that's all that the book of Revelation reveals, but you can imagine what God will be up to throughout eternity. Uh, it has not yet entered even into the heart of man what God has prepared. So there will be, I'm sure God will be very creative and very busy on into eternity. This is just, Revelation just kind of hands us off to whatever God has in mind for us throughout eternity. We know that it will be a blessing and we know that it is something wonderful to look forward to. And really the anchor of the Christian hope is that we are not citizens of this world, but rather citizens of eternity and what God has planned for us in heaven. And I was thinking tonight, my plan on Wednesday nights is to teach through the Bible, just verse by verse, straight through. And that's what we've been doing. And so after the book of Revelation, of course, we'll start the book of Genesis next after we, we have I think a couple more weeks left here in Revelation, but then we'll, Wednesday nights we'll start t- uh, teaching through the book of Genesis. And I was thinking about it tonight, Lord. I was thinking, Lord, how, how, I wonder when we'll get back to Revelation. It's going to be you know, a long cycle. And then I realized, you know, Lord, you'll probably come back before. We'll, we'll probably live through some of this before I teach it again. So, uh, but that's kind of an exciting time to be living in when, when we are really at the verge of these things possibly beginning even in our day. But let me pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless our study. And we'll get started here in these last two chapters. Father, we do thank you again for just the sweet time of fellowship in worship that we have with you, Lord. There is something of a communing that takes place, Lord, with our spiritual lives when we worship you. You meet us in that place. And God, it refreshes, it strengthens, it touches our hearts and And so, Lord, it prepares us really to receive now the word. It's as though the soil of our hearts has been properly prepared for God's word to now go in and and be planted into our hearts. We pray that it would find good soil tonight, Lord, and that it would bear much fruit for your glory. Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Read you a quote from C.S. Lewis concerning eternity. Has this world been so kind to you that you should leave it with regret? There are better things ahead than any we leave behind. I think it's important for us as, as, as believers and as we look at these next two chapters, really the, the speaking of eternal things. It's very important for believers to keep eternity alive in your heart. You know, it's very easy to become very caught up and distracted with the day-to-day, whether it be trials, whether it be the pursuit of other things. There are so many things that can distract us that sometimes heaven can seem like that, you know, that far off one day, someday, I don't have time to think about it today uh, mentality. 
But the New Testament, not only the New Testament, but throughout the scriptures, the Bible encourages us to be citizens of eternity, to keep our heart and mind focused on eternal things. It really does impact the way you live your life today to have heaven in view. And so tonight, as we look at these passages, I I pray that that it will come to life in us. But I want to encourage you uh, that it's the kind of thing that you have to kind of stoke the fire. You have to discipline your heart to be remind to be mindful of eternal things. Just a couple of passages before we actually look at our text, just to kind of encourage you along this line. First, John, chapter two, verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Paul said to the Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven from which also we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you eagerly waiting tonight? Is it it a hope that is alive in your heart? Are you anticipating the return of the Lord? Is it really in the forefront of your thinking? The Word of God would encourage it to be so. It does affect our lives. Certainly it affects our priorities. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Having heaven in your heart and mind is also a great source of comfort during difficult times. Paul said to the Corinthians, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. One of the things that helps us endure these temporary afflictions is the hope that God has for us in glory. It also serves as a preservation, really, in our life against sin, our struggle against sin. Paul said this to the Romans, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we want to set our heart and our minds on eternal things, and certainly these two chapters in the book of Revelation, I believe, will help us to do that. Tonight's message is entitled, All Things Made New. All Things Made New. The very first thing that God is going to remake is heaven and earth. Look with me in verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. The Bible talks about the heavens and the earth passing away. You may remember just prior prior week's study there in Revelation chapter 20 when God set up the judgment seat. It said, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Hold your place there in Revelation and turn with me to Second Peter. Which be just, just a little bit to your left. Second Peter chapter 3. The Apostle Peter talks about this passing away of the old heaven and earth. 2 Peter 3, and look with me at verse 10. 
But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Turn with me back to Revelation chapter 21, the Apostle Peter talking about this event. I'm not much of a science uh, person, but I've done I have heard this and just done a little bit of reading uh, down at, at, at the very atomic level. There are things there's a certain energy that seems to hold the, the atoms together. Brother Allen, he's a science teacher. He probably can give you a little more information on this. But and forgive me if I, if I butcher this a little bit. But these these protons are held together by by this atomic force that holds them together. And the nuclear bomb, of course, is the is the releasing of that energy, whatever energy it is that's holding it together. An atomic bomb releases that energy when the atom is split. And there's a passage, of course, that says that God actually holds all things together. And you have to wonder what would happen if God simply released the energy that is in uh, all of the atomic particles, you know, in the heavens and the earth. Maybe that's what God has in mind when Peter says with an intense fire and heat, God is just simply going to release the energy that is already in place holding atoms together when God releases that energy. What kind of an event will that be? Well, this is what the kind of event that Peter seems to allude to. And here in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John is talking about the heavens and the earth having passed away. And now he's seeing a new heaven and a new earth, the first being passed away. All things made new. And he says that there's not going to be any sea. Now, we'll find out later. That doesn't mean that there won't be water. It simply means that there won't be sea in the way that we know it. This new earth will be configured in some different way. I know that some of the surfers are a little disappointed with this verse. And I kind of like the ocean, too. And I thought, what a bummer, no ocean. But... Uh, I, I think that God will have something even better in mind. I'm not, I'm not really worried about how this new earth will look. I think it's going to be something wonderful. He also talks about a new Jerusalem here in verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Heretofore, the church has been likened to the bride of Christ, and now this new city of Jerusalem is likened to a bride coming down for her husband. John is going to give much more description about this new city down in uh, verses 9 through 27. So we'll expound on this new Jerusalem a little bit more when we get there. But I also want us now to look at verses 3 through 8, where he really begins to describe a whole new reality, a whole new reality. And look with me, verses 3 through 8. We'll read through it and then come back and look at it. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. He begins to describe this this new heavens and new earth and Jerusalem, but he, he talks about a whole new reality, a whole new relationship that we are going to have with God in this new new place. And the Bible says as much in other places. You may remember in 1 John 3, verse 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we will be there. We'll be in a new resurrected body. We will be now entering into a new city of Jerusalem and a new heaven and a new earth. And the dynamic of the way we relate to God is going to be a whole new ballgame, a whole new reality. The first thing I'd like you to notice in this new reality is in there in verse three, God will be with men. Today, God is with us, especially in the life of believers. He is in, with us in the sense that his spirit dwells within us. But this is going to be a much more personal relationship, or I should say a much more visual one. The Bible says we will, we will see him as he is. We're going to, we're going, he's going to be with us even more dynamically than he is today. God is going to be with men. He's going to actually dwell with men. We don't see him in complete glory yet. The Bible says, Paul told the Corinthians, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. This should be a great encouragement to us. This should be something that you hold in your heart as a a wonderful anticipation. There's that song, um, oh, that's Jesus, when I see you face, will I dance, will I, what's the name of that song? I can only imagine. I've only probably sung it 50 or 60 times, so it's hard for me to remember it. I don't know. I can't remember some of these titles, but I can only imagine. You know, that, that, that idea, what's it going to be like when we're there? He's going to be living with us, dwelling with us. In the life of a believer, and this is cultivated through your personal relationship with the Lord, as you walk with the Lord here today, there, there, he should be becoming more and more real to you. The person of the Lord Jesus, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, should be growing more and more intimate. If you're not experiencing that, then you're missing something of what God has planned. The Bible says that from glory to glory, there is a work of closeness that begins when we're saved, but then continues to intensify through our walk in relationship with Him on the earth. 
We should not be looking back and remembering all the good days, all the glory days when I was really close to the Lord. Today should be the best days that we live in the Lord. Today should be our closest time, knowing that we know him deeper. We've been through more together. We've 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 trusted him through more circumstance. We've seen his faithfulness in greater ways and his word that that we study and, and we it's becoming more and more alive to us. And if that is happening, and if you really are beginning to taste and see that the Lord is good, and God is really working something uh, uh, real in your heart, then the idea of Him, of living with Him, is a great, great encouragement. It's not something, well, yeah, yeah, we'll be in heaven, He'll be there, I'll be there, you know, we'll see what it's like, we don't know. No, if you love the Lord, and God is really beginning to touch and minister in your heart, the idea of being with God is precious. The psalmist expressed it this way, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 27, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. God living with men, God among us, God filling our hearts and lives in a greater way than we've ever experienced before. That's got to be something that should excite the heart of those who have tasted of him. There are moments in worship. Maybe you've experienced this. There are moments in my own life. Some, sometimes, even tonight, I, I, just, you know, I felt like we, we, we just touched the surface of it. There are moments in my walk with the Lord where I just sense his presence and it's so real and it's so good that everything else just seems to be really not important. In that that moment, the presence of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, the love of God, the assurance that he's with me, that he loves me, the voice of his spirit ministering comfort and strength into my heart. There are moments when I taste it and I, oh Lord, to have that, all the time, to be in that place forever is a great, great encouragement and hope for us as believers. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. The psalmist talking about his longing to be with the Lord even more than those who had had to stand guard through the night. And you know they get tired and they are looking for that morning when their shift is over. The psalmist says, more than they want that morning, Lord, that's the way my soul is waiting on you. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. I pray tonight that our hearts would be stirred by the Spirit of God, that this these promises that we have of eternity would become very precious and something that we would long for. The Spirit of God, I believe, can work that in our lives as we allow Him to. Another part of the new reality is verse found in verse 4. God will wipe away every tear. Every tear from their eyes, there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Boy, I look forward to that one. How about you? <laughs> As I get a little older, I'm finding more and more little pains and more and more often and more severe. And I long for the day when there'll be no more pain, 
we'll all be healthy. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more occasion to be grieving or crying. The prophet Isaiah says this concerning the Lord, prophesying on behalf of the Lord. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. You're not going to be there and looking back and longing for the days on earth. We're not going to be thinking, oh, remember when? No, the former things are not going to come to mind. The goodness of what God has prepared will so overwhelm and capture your heart. And there'll be no pain, no sorrow, nothing of any kind. Former things have passed away. All things, verse 5 says, will be made new. Can we count on these words? Can we count on this promise? Right for these words are true and faithful. The Lord encouraged John, don't miss anything, John. Don't miss any detail of this. All of this is going to come to pass. In verse 6, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. This water of life, it's eternal life. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus again reminding, even in his you know, concluding remarks, saying to John, I will give this water freely to anyone who thirsts. You, you read something like this and you, you read about an eternity of, of you know, something wonderful and great, and you, you kind of begin to wonder, wow, how can I get in on that? What's it going to, man, what, what do I have to do to be there? What, what's it going to cost to get into that retirement plan? You know, that looks pretty good. And Jesus reminds that I will give, I will give this to anyone who thirsts for it. The love of God is readily available. Anyone who desires the Lord will find him. He who knocks, it will be answered. He who seeks will find. He who asks shall receive. What's the cost? There is no cost. Come, come to the waters that have no cost. Allow the Lord to, to fill you with this eternal life even today. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Speaking, I believe, of His Holy Spirit that would ultimately come and fill the heart and life of a believer. Eternal life is beginning today. It's already on the inside of you. Even though these bodies are not eternal yet, they will have to be you know, restored. They'll have to be basically resurrected and translated. But the Spirit of God already on the inside of us, that is the taste. That, the Bible says that's the down payment that's something of a deposit, something of an assurance that how do I know that, that God has this for me by the, by the touch of God in your life already, by the, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so that, that water is already in you and it will flow in great abundance. But Jesus is reminding here tonight that it is the free gift of God. And I, as I read that and was preparing for tonight, I couldn't help but think of the tragedy of missing this. Here it is, the love of God freely offered. God having done all the work at the cross of Calvary. 
Nothing that we have to do to earn it. Nothing that we have to do to somehow get right with God so that he will accept us. No, there's nothing that we can do that could ever get us right with God. We have to trust in what he has done for us in Jesus Christ, which he offers freely. It simply needs to be received by faith. And to know that it's so available and to know that God so wants to do it and so wants to give it. Anyone who's thirsty, if you're thirsty tonight, if you don't have the fullness of the Lord in your life, if you don't know him, if you've not tasted of that life, eternal life, that eternal wellspring already touching your heart, it is available. If you're thirsty, if you know deep down in your heart something is missing, my life is empty, I have no peace, I have no sense of strength and comfort, I'm lost, I'm, I'm confused. The Lord has water for that thirsty heart freely. And to think that you would miss it, to think that you would wander about in the dark when God has this life and light so readily available is a terrible tragedy. I pray that if you're here tonight and you don't know him, I'm asking you to consider how wonderful his grace is and how available it is for you tonight. If you do know him, I'm, I'm asking you to consider with me, oh God, help us to share this good news. Lord, let us not let an opportunity pass by this free water that you give to all who are thirsty. He goes on in verse 7 and he says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things. There is an inheritance for believers. God has laid up something for us. Interesting, he says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Well, what do I have to do to overcome? That sounds like I'm gonna, there's going to be a battle. Well, in 1 John chapter 5, it tells us who the overcomers are. Let me read that to you. 1 John 5, verse 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Who are the overcomers? Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's where the victory lies. The, when he says overcomers, he's not saying, oh, boy, that means I better get out and, and try really hard. No, to be an overcomer, you put your faith in the one who has won victory for you. He who has put his faith in Christ, he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, he is the one who overcomes. And to that one who has put his faith and trust and confidence in Jesus, he will, be his, he will inherit all things. There is a great inheritance that God has store, stored up. And not only that, but he will be adopted into the family of God. He shall be my son. Well, another new reality that is reminded here in verse 8 is the reality of the second death. We've looked at this in greater detail prior chapters, but here it is again reminding us, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We saw that earlier, the lake of fire, the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet were thrown in there. After the millennial reign, we know that Satan and all of his demons are there. 
And we also know that there is a judgment seat wherein all unbelievers will stand and ultimately be judged and cast in. That's where they will have their part. And it's what they choose. It's not what God chooses. God chooses to give living water to all who are thirsty. But to those who reject, they will have their part in the lake of fire. Interesting, he says cowardly. Calls them cowards. What does that mean? Well, really, the the word means fearful or faithless. Those who simply refuse to believe the truth concerning Jesus Christ. Unbelievers. Abominable. Murderers. Sexually immoral. Sorcerers. That word sorcerer. It's the Greek word uh, pharmakeus. from where we get our word pharmacy or pharmaceuticals. It references a drug or a spell-giving potion, a magician or sorcerer, someone who would deal in drug-induced realities, one involved in the use, dealing of drugs, this this type of sorcery listed here as those who will have no part in what God has planned. It's not that God can't forgive those that would come to faith, but those that reject him and continue to live in these ways, they will have their place in the lake of fire. He goes on and begins to describe this new city of Jerusalem in greater detail. But I'm going to close here tonight. And I'm going to ask uh, Tony if you would come up. I want to spend a little bit of time here tonight, maybe worshiping the Lord here at the end of this study. And I just want to make this emphasis tonight on coming to the Lord. As I was preparing and looking at these passages tonight, I just sensed that that the Lord wanted me to emphasize that, that, um, that he would like to give living water to those that are thirsty. So I'm going to close us in prayer and I'm going to give an opportunity if you're here tonight and you simply need to respond to the Lord, I want to give you a chance to do that. And then I want to close our night with just a few songs of worship. Keep in mind, worship is something that is taking place in heaven even now. We saw from the early chapters in the book of Revelation that there is a worship taking place around the throne of heaven All the time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And so really, it's worship becomes a way to kind of ready your heart for eternity. I'd like you to consider that tonight. It's it's really more than just kind of, oh, well, singing through some songs. That's nice. It's really a time to to allow the spirit of God to touch you and minister to you in a way that, that really gives you a foretaste of what what heaven will be. So I'm going to pray and trust that he will meet us here tonight as we spend just a few moments uh, concluding tonight in worship. But before we do so, I'm going to ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer. Lord, I'm just sensing tonight, Lord, and just really for myself, just kind of stepping out in faith here tonight. Just sensing, Lord, that that you wanted to really accent this opportunity for those that would be here tonight. 
to secure their eternal destiny. That there would be some thirsty souls here tonight. And so, God, I'm asking you to just draw them tonight by your spirit. God, I, I have no power to save. I have no ability to persuade the hearts of men. The Bible says that it's the spirit of the Lord that draws. It's the spirit of the Lord that brings the hearts of men to Jesus. I've simply declared your word tonight, Lord, in faith. Taken just a small slice here describing heaven. But also describing, Lord, the alternative to heaven for those that would reject And it's just impressed on my heart tonight, Lord, just the reality of it and the tragedy of it for those that would neglect the love that you so long to give. So as our heads are bowed here tonight, I want to give an opportunity if there's anyone here tonight with a thirsty soul and you've You've been searching maybe many years, maybe maybe you're even a young person. Where whatever station you find yourself at in life, there's only one place to find real fulfillment and satisfaction. But not only that, there's only one place that you can be saved. There's only one one place wherein you can have your sins forgiven and the love of God come into your life. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, you've never really come to that place of confident relationship with Him. You heard the words of Jesus tonight. To those who are thirsty, I will freely give. He wants to fill your life with His Spirit, with His love, with His mercy, with His forgiveness, right here, right now. And what He does today will actually affect your eternal destiny. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, I'm just going to ask that you would allow me to pray with you and for you. Or maybe you're here tonight and, and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. I've seen this a lot. Prayed with a number of people, especially over the last months. We've seen a lot of people who have for whatever reason, drifted away in their relationship with God. But now something has happened, maybe a circumstance in life, maybe a tragedy, maybe a financial situation, or maybe just the Spirit of God kind of tugging at your heart. And I've even prayed with people who said, I just kept seeing that sign on the freeway on the way to work, and the Lord was saying, hey, you need to get right with me. You're not living with me like you once did and you need to. So maybe you're here tonight and you simply need to come back to the Lord and rededicate yourself to Him and and refocus on eternal things. I would like to pray for you tonight as well. So if you're here tonight and you need to come to the Lord for the very first time or you need to rededicate your life to Him, would you please raise your hand tonight so that I can see you and I would pray for you. Anyone here tonight? God bless you. God bless you up front and you in the back as well. You on my right, here in the back as well. God bless you. See that right there in the center. 
Anyone else would like to respond with those who have raised their hands tonight? God bless you as well. God bless you too. On my right, I see you. We're going to sing here in just a moment. But I'm going to ask you, those that have responded, I'm going to ask you to do a brave thing. And Jesus spoke of cowardly. And I don't mean to imply that being nervous or even a little embarrassed tonight makes you a coward. I understand that it's not easy to respond to such a call. But there's something about responding in faith tonight that will, that will set these things in your heart. So I'm going to ask the congregation if you would stand with me tonight. We're going to sing here in just a moment, but for those that, ha- that ra- raised your hands, and I think I noticed most of you, I'm going to ask you to come forward if you would, and there was quite a few of you. Please, you won't be alone. Please come forward here and stand with us in the front. Praise the Lord. Would anybody else like to join these here that are here? We're going to pray for the Lord to touch their lives and fill them with rivers of living water. I'm going to ask those of those that are here with me to pray. If you would, prayer ministers, please, please come forward as well. just feel like I'm supposed to wait a little longer. (laughs) The Lord's speaking to your heart and you just need to come and invite Him into your life or rededicate your life to Him. I want to give you a chance. Anyone else here tonight? Well, I'm so blessed by those of you that have responded here tonight. But you didn't come to bless me. You came because God loves you and wants to bless you. And I'm going to lead you all in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. I'm going to do my best to try and just pray out what I think is in your heart based on what you've responded to tonight. And all of the congregation, if you'll just pray with us and let's just ask the Lord into these hearts. So if you'll repeat after me, those of you that came forward. Dear Lord, I come to you tonight with an open and honest heart. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I confess tonight that I'm not perfect and that my life needs to be cleansed. I've made some mistakes 
I've done some wrong things. And I know that I'm not right with you tonight. But I want that to change. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Based on what you have done for me in Jesus Christ. Who died on a cross for me. And bled his blood for my sins. And raised from the dead on the third day. And is alive even now. Interceding for me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, fill my heart afresh. Jesus, make me new. In the same way that you've promised a new heaven and a new earth. Make my life new. Fill me with your spirit. I'm thirsty tonight, Lord. Fill me with your living water. In Jesus' name.